Welcome to the Lord's Day. This is, fires me up. I don't know if you could tell, but I'm excited to see everybody here. I was just cheering up. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. I mean, to be able to see four people, four brothers and sisters, and say, I love Christ, I'm with, I'm with you, Lord, and I'm with you, church family here at Evergreen SUV. This is an exciting time for me, and uh, I got emotional. I probably will get emotional throughout the message, but the reason why we call this the Lord's Day is this. Because this is the day, the first day of the week, that our resurrected Lord changed everything. This is why we have certain hope. This is why we gather. Christ Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and he's given us a special day, the Lord's Day, to celebrate. What a great way to come together. And we're doing a first in the history of Evergreen. We're doing an outdoor service with a live stream. All right? this, is, this is new. And this is something that we get to be part of. So I want to welcome the guests. Thank you for family and friends who've come to support these four. Uh, you're, you are more than welcome here. We're so happy you joined us to worship with us. And so just got a one, one announcement before we get to our message. We have a congregational meeting here online uh, on Zoom at 1.30. Just as a reminder to vote and to discuss and vote on the, the mortgage that the Lord has provided for us. This will, will help. This is going to help. And uh, I'm just so excited as we gather together as, a, as, a, as church uh, membership to vote and to affirm what the Lord has done. And also, thank you for the faithful giving. This is, a, this is why we're able to do this. This is why your, your generosity is able to fund and support all the ministry that's taking place here at Evergreen SUV. And make no uh, uh, mistake about it. The reason why we exist here is to make disciples. This is what this is about. Discipleship is a central theme of our church. What is discipleship? Evangelism. Introducing lost people to Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. And number two, edifying one another, growing one another to full maturity in Christ. And this is the third Sunday of the, of the, of the, uh, of the month. And generally what we've been doing is having third Sunday be Discipleship Sunday. And this, we've had testimony from Sister Wendy Liu. Thank you last month, which was very moving and very inspiring for all of us. Our picture of discipleship here is baptism, right? What better picture can you have than having these four being baptized? Okay, so thank you for your giving. Please continue to give. The Lord is using it to advance the kingdom. Children, I got my, I've been tasked to give you the key word. We're still doing this. The key word is united. United. All right, so you're going to hear that word a lot. United. And this is where I'm going to, throughout the sermon, use that word. Try to figure out, children, what we're united to. Right? And so parents, I want to coach up the parents a little bit. We want to grow a strong culture of city under biblical teaching and preaching. What, I, what do I mean by that? We want to start them young. So right here, if you're with your children, coach them up to follow along as best they can. Ask them after the service, what did you learn about God through the preaching of his word? Online, if you're out there online, have your children follow along. This is not the time to read any school books or being on any devices other than to take notes. This is the time, the most holy time of the week, where we all, as a church family, are able to sit under the preaching of the word. This is a holy time. Let's raise our people up to understand that and start them off young, okay? 
We're going to be out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, this is what we do. We preach the Bible, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 23. A little bit of a context here. A little bit of context before we get to the reading of the scriptures. Last week, we learned how Christ is building his church, right? I mean, you know what, what's going on? This is what Christians want to see. Jesus, will you build your church? Our Lord addressed, as a review, spiritual immaturity because baby Christians aren't able to help build. God needs us to mature so that we can be part of the building process. Number two, we talked about how Christ causes the growth. Christ causes the growth. Three, thirdly, we, we talked about how Christ establishes the foundation, which is on himself. Christ Jesus is the foundation. And fourthly, we talked about how Christ rewards the faithful worker. How we will be judged. Christians will be judged on our level of faithfulness to fulfilling the Great Commission. So today, we'll be at our 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 23. I'll be reading out the NASB version. Okay? So if you're able to, please rise with me. We rise here at Evergreen SUV to honor God's word. At home as well, if you're able to, please rise. If you're not able to, we understand. God's word says out of 1 Corinthians 3, 16, Do you not know that you are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Verse 18, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you, among you, the Bible says, thinks he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. God knows. God knows. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Apollo, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or, th- or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you. Finishing up here, verse 23. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to read your word. I pray, Lord, that you teach us what we're united to today through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. May your spirit ignite our hearts on fire for you, Lord. May everyone in here be lit on fire for you, Jesus. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, please. Today we're talking about the benefits of being a part of the church. The title of the message is, what are we united to? What has these four said that they're committed to and what are they united to? Now we're going to learn about the benefits or what we're actually united to as Christians. For those of us who are in Christ, brothers and sisters, saints, what are we actually united to? Paul The Apostle Paul was dealing with division in the Corinthian church. This was the issue. They're fighting over worldly wisdom. There are people and leaders within the Corinthian church who are peddling wisdom of the world, who are tickling ears. And that was creating division. Second thing that was creating division in the Corinthian church was allegiances to humans, men. Men who were prominent leaders before or in the past. This was creating division in the local church at Corinth. So Paul was working as against division. He's the ultimate pastor next to Christ. He's working on unifying the church. 
So even baptism could be an issue too. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, 13 to 15, Paul says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you other than Crispus and Gaius so that none of you could boast that I baptized you or you're baptized in my name. So as you notice, we have different pastors baptizing different people. It's not about the pastors, obviously. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. And as Pastor Dan talked about, these four gave us a great symbol of what their union is with. Their union is with Christ and his body. And this message of, that is preached through the symbolism of baptism is meant to unify the church. Unify the church. It's kind of like when you, we attend a wedding, for example. Some of us have been married for a while. My wife and I have been married for quite some time. Whenever we go to a wedding, or whenever I perform a wedding, I think to myself, remember that day. I remember that day. If you know what I mean. For those of you who aren't married yet, you'll know someday, perhaps. Right? I remember that day. I remember how day, that day was special. I remember how excited I was. I remember this was a lifelong commitment I made. I remember that day when I was just so excited for the future. I remember that day. This is meant for that day, for the four of you, right? To remember this day, the excitement, the nervousness, all that is taking place within your hearts right now. At Evergreen SUV, we know where these four stand now. This is not like, okay, I wonder if that person's a Christian. I know they've been showing up a long time, but I've never actually heard them say they're in Christ. These four, you know for sure. They're declaring with their mouth and this act of baptism that they are in Christ. You, we know how to engage them. They basically DTR'd it. They defined the relationship that they have with the Lord and with one another, right? Because you're either in evangelism mode, if you're about discipleship, or edification mode. With these four, you're thinking, okay, I'm in edification mode with these four. Correct? So this is where, why baptism is so critical. This is partly the reason why the Lord has this. Baptizo, this word for baptism, where we get the word baptism, is, it has this idea of total immersion. I'm dipping them into the waters of baptism. They're basically saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in with Christ. I'm all, I'm all in with the church. And, and, and particularly with the local church, because this is where they're going to be able to serve and be part of the church body. First question, what are we united to? First point, if you have your apps, go ahead and open them up. We have a good note-taking app there in our outdoor section. And this is a great way, I keep saying, to type in your notes. And you can email it to yourself. You can keep an ongoing record of Corinthians. By the end of, God willing, a year and a half or so, we should be able to teach Corinthians to one another. Amen? So first point, we are united to, fill in the blank, the temple of God. First verse, verse 16, do you not know, Paul says. Why does he start off that word, do, uh, that phrase, do you not know? This is a phrase that Paul uses, guess how many times in Corinthians? Ten times. Ten times Paul uses that phrase, do you not know? What is that meant for? In, in, it's only used, Paul only uses one other time. That's in Romans. So that means the Corinthians need a lot of reminders. Do you not know? Do you not know is this basically as parents? You know what I'm talking about. 
When you leave the room, can you turn off the light, children? Do you not know? Like I told you this a thousand times. So Paul is coming alongside them and says, do you not know? I spent a year and a half with you. I spent uh, writing letters to you. I personally taught you the gospel. I personally had trained some men to come and fill in after I've left. Do you not know? Do you not know? Division is not compatible with a Christian life. Division is not compatible with the Christian life. And he goes on to say in verse 16 here that you are a temple of God. You are a temple of God. In context here, we got to understand the context. He's writing, keep in mind, as you're studying scripture, Paul is writing to the entire Corinthian church. So what does that mean? He's not talking about you, Rocky, specifically. He's talking about you, the Corinthian church. Collectively make up the temple of God. This is a very communal thing that Paul is talking about and appealing to. This is a very collective mindset. Christianity is not meant to be privatized. This is not where I'm going through a struggle and i got to keep it to myself. This is not that. Christianity is meant to be lived in community. It's critical that we get together. Absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. And this is a very very communal reality. We do life together. This is what Christianity is. We're part of the body of Christ. I'm going to turn our attention to Ephesians chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, turn to the right a few uh, books to the right. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 and 22. Paul gives us some illustrations or metaphors, children. Metaphors of what the church is. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. We're not supposed to be strangers and aliens to one another, right? We're supposed to know one another. And it says, but you are fellow citizens. We're part of the same kingdom with the saints. That's the first metaphor, fellow citizens. And are of God's household. We're part of God's family. This is very communal. See this picture of kingdom? Jesus is the king. We're part of his kingdom. God the Father is the Father. We're part of his family. All right, let's see, keep reading. Verse 20, have you been built on the foundations of the, of the apostles and the prophets, their teachings, the scriptures, basically? Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the key foundation piece of the church. All right, and then verse 21, look what it says. Paul uses the same metaphor that he is, uses in Corinthians in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Every piece, every brick, I see a lot of bricks out here. Every brick is being fitted together to form a holy temple in the Lord, in Christ. Verse 22, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Of, in the spirit. God's Spirit lives within us. So right here, it's very clear. The scripture is talking about, in, back to Corinthians, is that this is a group thing. This is a family thing. This is the same kingdom thing. All right? This is we're all part of the same body. I look out here, and I can see some friends, you know, Pastor Paul, Pastor Kyle from Seeds of Life, Life is out there, as you warn. I see other people, and, and we've all talked about it. We've all been to Israel, not together, but at separate times. And one of the most, you could ask us all, what was the most riveting parts of that trip? 
as we went from northern Israel down to Jerusalem. For me, they may answer the same thing. The most riveting part of the trip was this. When we went to Jerusalem and we went to the Western Wall, this was intense. People were praying and, and worshiping with an intensity that I have not seen often in this side of the water. People were very intense, worshiping, praying. People were jamming pieces of paper into the wall as if these prayers would be heard more by God. And why, why, was it, why was the worship so intense? Because they believed in their mind that God's presence, this is the closest place to God's presence on the planet Earth. So they were believing, I got this location, I need to pray this religiously and be part of this. They're bowing up and down, that's why I'm moving like, like I am. I'm trying to reenact some of that. But the, the worship was very intense. But do you not know, Paul would ask perhaps to every green SUV, do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? So we could have that same level of intensity right now. Right now. We don't have to be in Jerusalem. We don't have to be in the sanctuary right now because we're outdoors. But together... Together, the Spirit of God works in a very unique and powerful way. In verse 16, this word you is not singular, it's plural. You as in you, the church. Paul's talking about here. Let me read this uh, quote by Anthony Thistleton. He's a Greek New Testament scholar commenting on this verse. Here Paul is not saying that each individual Christian is a temple within which God Spirit dwells, right? We talked about that already. But rather, that the Spirit of God dwells in the Christian community, corporately, as a community. This is what Paul's specifically talking about here in chapter 3 of Corinthians. Gordon Fee, another um, uh, Corinthian scholar, says, Paul is here reflecting, on the, here reflecting on the church as a corporate place of God's dwelling, who, when gathered in Jesus' name, like we are right now, experienced the presence and power of the Lord Jesus in their midst. Our Lord is amongst us right now. Come to service expecting something wonderful to take place in your hearts. Come expectantly every week. And this is why we must gather. This is why we're doing this. This is an opportunity for us to experience God's power together. Communal. Very communal. Let's move on to the next point. What else are we united to? What else are we united to, Pastor? Point number two, we are united to, let's see, fill in the blank, the protective care of God. The protective care of God. Let me take some time to read this. This is a very powerful verse. How much our God loves the church. Verse 17, it says, If any man destroys the temple, hear me now, this might shock you. If any man dwell, destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. That's powerful. Can you handle that? If any man of, destroys God's temple, God will destroy him or her. God loves the church so much. Just like any decent father would. If you mess with your children, we're going to have issues as a father. If you're abusing my children, we're going to have an issue. Any decent father would do that. How much more God the Father? God the Father loves the church so much that he will protect the church. In verse 17 at the end, it says this, For the temple of God is holy, set apart, sanctified, 
And that is what you are. We're holy. Does God care about the purity of his church? You bet. You don't have to sleep at, lay in bed at night wondering, does God care about the purity of the church? Does God care about my personal uh, uh, thought life? Does God care of my gossiping? Absolutely he cares. It matters so much to him. Before I bought homes, I never cared about these things, but God has allowed us to purchase homes and sell homes and, and you know, the home that we live in. One of the things that any homeowner would know is this. One of the words that just shivers down your spine is this, mold, <laughs> right? Mold. I mean, it's not just like a little mold on the wall. I'm talking mold that's been festering and growing behind the drywall for years where there's been a constant drip. Mold. Because you know why? Mold not only affects the bathroom or the drywall there, it could destroy your whole home eventually and, and hurt the people who live in there. Mold. Mold. Mold is something that we don't want. Mold is something that lurks in dark places, in sneaky places. And this is kind of how those who destroy the temple of God work. So you may ask, Rocky, who is, who are these people that Paul's talking about? Let's look at verse 18. Paul does not mince words. You know where this man stands. Okay, let's, let's look at verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If, he, if any man among you, among you, what is you? You're talking about the Corinthian church. Thinks that he is wise in this age. He must become foolish so that he may become wise. If they're among you, Paul saying to the Corinthians. In Acts 20, he also talks about it with the Ephesian church. When ravenous wolves rise up among you. This isn't like the, the church down the street or, or, or the internet. This isn't necessarily talking about someone who's trying to infiltrate in here, although there may be people like that. He says, among you, Corinthian church. Whenever people within the church have a worldly mindset, they're thinking about themselves. Think about the conversations that take place in the dark, like where mold grows and flourishes. What type of conversations are we having? Are we trying to support and unity? Are we looking to build and to heal? Or are we looking to divide and to create confusion? That is mold. Are we teaching false doctrine? That is mold. This is what Paul is talking about. Because all these things, what happens when you're lurking in the darkness, creeping around, sneaking around, it plants seeds of discord and division. This is worldly wisdom when you're fighting for your own selves. This is mold. Verse 19 and 20, God makes it very clear. God makes it very clear that he knows who you are, who they were in Corinth. Let me read this for us. 19. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness before God. For, for it is written. I always like Paul. For it is written. He'll quote scripture. All right. <laughs> he quotes scripture. For it is written. Any good preacher teaches the Bible. For it is written. He, talking about God, is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness, in their sneakiness. God knows who they were. How about verse, uh, verse 20? And again, 
It is written again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise, that they are useless. God knows. God is absolutely serious about the holiness of his church or his bride. Like any husband who's been given a wife by the Lord to care for, our job is to pastor our wives to holiness by feeding them the word, washing them with the word, the Bible says in Ephesians. No different in the church. God cares for the holiness of his bride. Look at how serious this is. Jesus in Matthew 18, 6 and 7 said, It would be better if you're one of these people of mold to have a millstone, two 300-pound millstone tied around your neck and thrown headlong into the ocean than to mess with God's church. I mean, God is serious, is he not? This is from our Lord's mouth. This is how much he loves us. This is the lengths that God will go to to protect us from spiritual mold, to maintain the unity of the church. We are loved, brothers and sisters. This is something to rejoice in. Just move on to point number three. What else are we united to? What else are we united to? Point number three, we are united to, fill in the blank, every blessing of God. Every blessing of God. Every blessing of God. Fill it in. Ephesians 1, 3 says, in Christ, in Christ we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. In Christ we have every spiritual blessing. And Paul goes through a couple categories here I think will be helpful for us to understand, in particular these times and days. Verse 21, it says this, So then, let no one boast in man. Don't brag on men. Don't brag on Paul, Apollo, Cephas, Rocky, anybody else. Boast in somebody else. For all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. First category is men. Paul, Apollos, and Cephas represented men. Gifts to the church. Paul is saying, why are you making such a big deal out of these men? Why do you brag that you know so-and-so? Why do you brag that so-and-so baptized you? Why do you brag that I sat under so-and-so's teaching? Why is that such a big deal to you? Chapter 3, verse 5 of Corinthians 1 I mean, 1 Corinthians says this, that these men, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, are just mere servants. Diakonos, table waiters, busboys, we've talked about that last week. These are just people meant to serve up the food. Brag about the food or the, or the chef, but don't brag about the waiter, the busboy that comes you, brings you that prime rib. That's what Paul is saying. Paul in Ephesians 4, 11, 12 says, God has set up apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastor teachers to equip the saints for the work of mission, for the building up of the church. So what does all that mean? What are you saying, pastor? These gifts are meant to serve the church, not the other way around. I am here just to serve the church. Do not brag on man. That's when, God, when Paul says, all these things belong to you. That's what Paul is talking about. These are gifts from Christ to bless Evergreen SGV. Category number two. What does this, set, this rack of words mean? Or the world, or life, or death, 
or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. Paul's talking about the cosmic now. <laughs> He's talking, okay, forget man, let's take it up another level. He's going on the cosmic realm. All right, let me read this thing here. Gordon Fee does a really good job of explaining this. I'm going to read this quote for him, from him. These five items, the world, life, death, the present, and the future, are the ultimate tyrannies of human existence. They terrorize humans, to which people are in lifelong bondage as slaves. For Paul, the death and resurrection of Jesus marked the turning of the ages in such a way that nothing lies outside Christ's jurisdiction. Christ controls everything. In the form of the, of the cross, God has planted his flag on planet Earth and marked it off as his own possession. Everything belongs to Christ. He purchased it on the cross. That's what this is saying. And he's giving it to us. Let me just make it clear here. The world, life, death, present, future, even these things are meant to serve the church, to grow the church. What do you mean, pastor? What do you mean, pastor? Even the craziness that's going on in the world today, coronavirus, all right, even life and death, even funerals like we had yesterday, even things that are currently happening, like I'm in a state of emotional turmoil, I'm having relational issues with family members, or things that are going to come. Who's going to be the next president? I don't know. But all these things are meant to serve the church. Meaning it's meant to build up the church. Romans 8.28. Right? Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for good. Not for everybody. So if you're not a Christian, you should be fretting. For, but to those who love him. To those who are called according to his purpose. Why? Because those who he called, those who he predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ, his son, he's building us up. So even in the hardness of life right now, we can celebrate with baptism or just walk away today triumphantly fired up because Christ is using all these things to build his church. He's building up you and me. He's scraping the mold off of the walls of his temple. Isn't that exciting to you? These are the things that will lift your soul when things are getting hard. Because you know our Lord has a purpose in it. Let's move on to the final point here. Instead of what are we united to, who else are we united to? Christianity is about a who. It isn't necessarily about a what. Remember that. It's not a bunch of facts, not a bunch of information, indicative, indicative, indicative. It's not just about gaining knowledge in our domes here. This is about getting to know somebody. Point number four, we are united to fill in the blank, short one this time, God, G-O-D, God. Verse 23, let me just finish up here, verse 23. And you, plural again, you talking to the Corinthian church, belong to Christ. We are in Christ. Being in Christ, that means we're united to Christ. He owns us. Baptism, I am in Christ. I want to tell the world, I'm in Christ. Because of Christ, I have every spiritual blessing. Because of Christ, I got his protective care. Because of Christ, I'm part of the temple of God. Because of Christ, the spirit of God dwells within me. We are in Christ. We're united to Christ. And guess what? Christ belongs to God. Christ is united to the Father. What? There is no room for division, brothers and sisters, in the church. 
There is absolutely no room for division. We have no excuses. What else do you need to know? That you were united to the God of the universe, the creator of all things. And we're also united to one another. I'm going to read the Lord's Prayer here, John 17. This is what we should call the Lord's Prayer. It's a high priestly prayer, most people call it, but I like to call it the Lord's Prayer because this is what the Lord actually prayed. John 17, verse 20. I'm just going to read this for us. This is what the Lord is praying for us right now. Does, does the Lord, as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says he's ever interceding, he's ever praying for us. Do you think he understands what's going on in Southern California? Yeah, I think so. And this is what he's praying right now. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, just talking about the 12 disciples, but for those also who believe in me through their word. That's you and me 2,000 years later. What is he praying? That they may all be one, unified, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, just like the Father and Son are perfectly united, that they also may be in us. We get to be part of that relationship so that the world may believe that you sent me. Verse 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, unified, just as we are one. I and them, you and me, and they may be perfect in unity. There's that word again, unity, united. So that the world may know that you sent me. Now, this is the part that should grip your heart here, guys. At the end, verse 23. And love them. Even as you have loved me. Are you kidding me? Christ is praying that the Father will love us with the same quality of love that he has for the Son? Do we realize that? Why do you think God says, I will destroy those who destroy the church, the temple of God? Because he loves us so much. This is our God. This is our God. Every time you hear preaching of the word, do not come away with thinking, how can I live my life better? Think about, how can I see God higher? Doesn't that take you to a whole other dimension? When I think about that truth, it takes me to a whole other universe. I'm no longer in San Gabriel Valley anymore. My mind and my heart are, are lifted to a different level in the heavenlies. Isn't that awesome? This is very personal. This is a very personal rescue mission our Lord orchestrated to unite us with him and to one another. Now I want to spend a few minutes here talking, applying what we just talked about here to baptism. Baptism is Baptism Sunday. This is the picture of Discipleship Sunday for all of us. Point number one, we talked about how we are the church is the temple of God. So basically, these four, now I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to be part of this. These four, hear me carefully. If anyone in this place listens, I want the four to listen. These four basically say, I belong to this local body. I'm giving myself to Evergreen SGV. Of course, I'm part of the big universal church, but more uniquely and more specifically, you serve your gifts here. You're basically saying, I'm in with Christ, and I'm in with you. Those of us who got to watch and be part of this baptismal service. We are connected to one another. Keep that in my mind, in your mind right now. I'm part of Christ, 
And I, I'm saying publicly, I love Christ and I love you. I want to marry you. This is what we're saying here. This is what this is about. Point number two. We talked about God's protective care. You know, we talked about that. In, that, in essence, the four, we're saying, all of us who are in Christ, on the online, but also in person, we're saying this. I've got your back. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to watch out for you. I'm going to help you be faithful to the end run. This is what we're talking about. We are all coming alongside and saying, I got your back. I'm not going to let you have mold grow on you. I'm not going to let you get tricked by false doctrine. I have got your back. As a father, I'm committed to caring for Charlotte and the children. That's my first priority. We understand that. We, we want to care for everyone, but that's our priority. In the local church, our first priority is to Evergreen SGV. Of course, we welcome everyone here. But our commitments to those who are committed to Christ and to us. So these four, we will protect you. We'll care for you. We'll talk to you about sin if we see sin in your life. We'll look to encourage you to walk the faithful path. We will promote holiness of the church at Evergreen SGV on a very personal level. We care about you. Number three, the blessings of God. The Bible says that we're united to the every blessing of God. That means that you, four, will minister your gifts, whatever they are, your unique spiritual gifts, your time, your finances, primarily to this church, and vice versa. We're coming alongside to give you everything we got. My preaching is for the Evergreen SGV, first and foremost. If you serve, your primary serving is for Evergreen SGV, foremost. This is what we're talking about. This is, this is about a commitment. Fourthly, you're united to God. At, and this is what binds us forever. We're united to God. We have the same head, Jesus Christ. And we all agree this isn't one of those things. So you see someone on the streets who goes, oh, I love God. I don't know what you mean by that. Let's get deeper. Here, when he says, I love God, you know which God we're talking about. We're talking about Christ Jesus himself in no unclear terms. It's very clear. This is what we've been baptized into today. Now, just to finish up here, brothers and sisters, um, I've been doing quite a few weddings lately. You know, premarital counseling is part of that. But I've done some weddings. I went into someone's backyard uh, a couple weeks ago, one of the players I coached at the University of Southern California, you know, and special. Had family, friends there, you know, it was great. It was great. And I asked the groom and the bride, will you be faithful to one another for the rest of your lives? There's more to it than that, but that's the essence. In essence, are you committed to one another? You know what they said? Yes. Yes. And you know what I had? I had the family and friends that were in the backyard stand up and say, hey, family and friends, the reason why you're here is because you're very important to these people. Will you do everything in your power to help Mr. and Mrs. up here be faithful to one another all the days of their lives? And say, if you're committed to this, say, we will. And they say, we will. Thunderous, we will, and they sat down. Do I liken baptism is similar to a wedding? Similar to a wedding. It's a one-time event. This is not we're going to rebaptize people and over and over. As an adult, we believe in believer's baptism. Once you get baptized, that's it. It ain't happening anymore. So as a wedding, basically, 
these four basically said, I love Christ. I'm committed to him. But they've also said, I love Evergreen SGV. I'm committed to this local church. Right? Who knows? Circumstances could change. You know, people could move and whatnot. We understand that. But for now, they're making an earnest, sincere declaration. I'm with Evergreen SGV. This is where I belong. So in like fashion, I would like us to rise up. Please stand if you're able to. At home too. God sees, right? (laughs) Although we may not be able to see. If you're able to. If you're not, we understand. I'm going to ask a question. Will you do your part to help these four be faithful to Christ and to Evergreen SGV? And I'm going to ask you for your response. If you're willing to, say, we will. All right? And I want this to be thunderous. I want the neighborhood to hear this, okay? Will you do your part to help these four, Kehlani, Ron, PJ, and Kanoa, be faithful to Christ and to Evergreen SGV. Yeah. All right, thank you. Sit down. There it is. I'm going to remember your faces, okay? Like We all look around. All right, who was there? I'm assuming everyone said we will. So let's do it. Let's be faithful to that. This is what the church is all about. This is why we come together. Is there not power in gathering with one another? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we thank you for how good you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you are building your church around the world and also at particular Evergreen SGV. Thank you that you're using all things, even difficult things, to grow and build up your church. You're doing it. I thank you for these four. I pray, Lord, that this day will just be burning in their hearts for the rest of their lives. They will remember this day. October 18, 2020, as a day that they made a public declaration of their union with you, their commitment to you, and to the church. Father, will you just elevate their faith from one level to another? These four specifically, crystallize their faith, elevate their faith from one level to another. And Father, also I pray that you have elevated our faith from one level to another as a church body. That we were like, coming to see newlyweds getting married and we're, the excitement of being union, being union within the marriage that we might be in, we're reminding us how we've been put, brought into union with you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. You're so gracious. Elevate our view of you, Lord, through the preaching of your word every day, every week. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.